All right, Lamar, you ready to try and bring us in on beat? Uh, hold on, hold on. Um, all right, so we're just going to throw me right into this, huh? He said, all right, you ready, Lamar? I said, wait, hold up. He plays the music anyway. Okay. Let's see. Yeah, we in the building, but we got no ceilings. Got two special guests, so it's like a new beginning. I never had these bars. I'm surprised I got this far. Eight threes, ones, twos. I'm not really sure what we're gonna do, but lock in and load up. You know we about to show up. Hey, more than numbers, and we're back in the building. Yes, feels good. I can actually physically touch you, Keanu. We're yeah, right it's here. Nice. In the building together. And we got more than numbers. I hope you guys like that rap that Lamar brought us in with. I had to put on. The last time that he brought us in, it was <laughs> atrocious. I don't even remember what he said. But we're here in Dallas at Dallas Theological Seminary. D Town. They've been so gracious to let us use their podcast studio. It's nice to be in the building together I love again, it. Lamar. That's last why time, I'm so hyped. Last time we were in the building together, when you were out in Charlotte, man, that was a fire episode. Dang, but being ready. able to just feed off each other's energy. But speaking of energy, Uh-oh. all right, y'all, you guys are about to get to hear from one of the most energetic people I know in his faith, in his business, in his family, in his friendships. He just had his best year in real estate by far from his second year to his third year. He increased his business by 130%. Ooh. All right. He recently moved from Albuquerque to Dallas to also join uh, Dallas Theological Seminary to grow in his faith there. And he's engaged to be married in November. Hey. I mean, this guy's capacity is just through the roof. That's not but even close to everything he, that we can mention. The, his accomplishments are indicative of his Enneagram type. He is the yeah. type three achiever and he knows a little <laughs> bit or a lot of bit about achieving so it's with great pleasure i introduce you all to andrew templeton what's up andrew hey hey guys thanks for having me on today i am excited to be here uh i'm just glad that my school has a podcast facility that we can use it's my first time in here so i'm pumped man yeah. thanks for thanks for making this happen and reserving this place because this is phenomenal i'm loving it i'm loving it yeah this is really nice we got the camera going as well so you all if you're listening to this on podcast you can see us on youtube Wave to the camera, everybody. Hey. What's up, guys? Man, we're excited to be jumping into it. To get to interview somebody like you, not only because you're my friend. Honestly, you're a professional that I would want on this podcast, even if you weren't one of my best friends. Even if you weren't the best man in my wedding, uh, you know, I would still want to hear from you from your perspective. But I listed a lot of the accomplishments that you've done, uh, Andrew. But before we get into all of those, tell me about your knowledge of the Enneagram and how you came to discover the Enneagram. Mm, that is a, a very great question. Actually, funny enough, uh, it was here in Dallas at my uh, brother and sister-in-law's wedding. They're getting, right before they get married, first night there, we're playing games late, and someone walks in and starts to bring out the Enneagram book, starts discussing it, talking to my cousin, person I've never met till right then, and I'm like, what the heck, the one through nine numbers? Like, oh, uh, another one of those personality uh-huh, tests. Because I had, a, I had another buddy who was like, are you an ENFJ, Myers-Briggs, da-da-da-da, this, these things? Right, I'm like, right. oh, I don't know. <laughs> That was my first time hearing about it. Um, and I was like, nah, I'm not about numbers. And I just tell people, I was like, they're like, what number are you in the Enneagram? I'm like, I'm a 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a 10 out of 10. I, transcend, I transcend the Enneagram right. system. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Something a three would say. Uh, what made you start to dig into it a little bit deeper after that first encounter? 
I, it wasn't for a while, actually, probably about two years, a uh, year and a half, two years, until I realized that it's really, really important for me to know myself and know how I'm going to react and act in certain situations mm. um, and my reasons behind doing things a lot of time. Uh, and that just comes from knowing oneself and having people pick that from the outside. And the Enneagram's a great starter to that, especially like this online quiz. Oh, that makes sense. That's why I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And then obviously if you have someone coaching you or someone talking to you about it, you can go a little bit deeper into that. But really just to know yeah, oneself yeah. a little bit better. Yeah. One of the things that like hit me about Enneagram was I, I was discovering things that were actually a good side of me that I thought were wrong. And then I was discovering things that like, okay, this is me overcompensating. Did you have an experience like that as well? Um, not just an overcompensation. I, I saw it. You mean co- overcompensation in the sense that like, oh, this I got to live up to these standards. Exactly. See it on here. Exactly. And, um, and because I'm trying to live up to these standards, I tend to lead to an unhealthy version of myself. Is more so what I was. Mm. No, I didn't have that experience. Okay. Uh, as a as a driven individual. Uh, in that, no big deal. Um, but I did have the experience where it was really, really good to know. Um, on the opposite side of things, that when I'm like when I'm not in health, like all of a sudden I just like shut down. I'm like don't want to talk to anyone, don't want to do anything. Mm. I'm like, why am I like this in that sense? Like I'm go, go, go all the time. And then just things just hit me and you're just like, whatever it is, right? In life, we yeah. got challenges, we got obstacles right. in front of us. And it's just like, oh, stop. All right, I'm done. I'm going to go a little ball. We ain't talking to nobody, right? And I'm yeah. like, oh, that's like a type three retreating to it. What type is that, Keanu? Type know. nine. Type nine. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's it. I ain't going to do nothing. Thank you. Yeah. No, that's really great, Andrew. You know, what's interesting is uh, this podcast is about helping people under better understand themselves. And the Enneagram is just the tool to do that. So in the best way, uh, we don't want you to know the Enneagram. We want you to know yourself. So tell us about yourself as it pertains to the Enneagram and how it helped it bring more insight to who you are as a person while also explaining what an Enneagram type three achiever is. Mm. Well, I am, I've always been driven. Um, I remember back in that's what driven by looking good for people and also Mm. actually succeeding. It's a combination thereof that I've had. Um, So I remember back in sixth grade, you know, in middle school, they made you run that mile test and I was a little overweight kid. I played football, had a little belly going on there. Lineman (laughs) action. And um, we'd run the mile. First time I run the mile and I was second in my class I ran like a 632 mile, my, and I was, you know, over like, Andrew, how'd you do that? As a and fat boy. As a fat boy. Like, they're like, you were, what? The other kid ran like a 540 mile. Like, he was a soccer player, one of those in-shape yeah. guys, Mr. Popular. But I was like, oh, I just worked hard. Like, I wanted to excel at it. I want to do my absolute best and be as many people as possible. Yeah. Right? And so I saw that, and in high school, I'd be working on homework, you know, my math homework in history class, and it was both AP classes because I was like, oh, after class, I got three sports I got to go play. It'd be like two sports in there and one sport in the morning. And just, I didn't ever realize, I'm like, I keep going and going and going and doing all this stuff. Um, and that's, and that's what the Enneagrams really showed me when looking back at my past. I was like, oh yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really when, until, you know, Christ really overtook me as my Lord and Savior and I started focusing on him that I was willing to slow down a little bit and even yeah. think about serving others. Because um, a lot of time it was like me, me, me all the time. And kind of like, how do I look? And now it's like, all right, how can I help other people as well? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you said something there that's very common, of course, for type threes, that the idea of success can shift. And that's why it's so important to have that anchor, which was and is Christ for you, that says, yes, all of these ideas of success can change. But ultimately, there's an ultimate mission, right? Mm-hmm. Which speaks a lot to the type three taking on the characteristics of the type six in health, the loyalist. So becoming very committed and loyal to an ideal. So tell me about how that shifted for you, that when you really get focused and you know what your idea of success is, uh, what that feels like to not be, in a way, kind of shifting to uh, what success looks like next. 
how do you maintain focus on your goals? Because you've accomplished a lot of things. As Andrew said, guys, the three isn't just about looking good. They are really good at being good. <laughs> they are the <laughs> achiever. So uh, tell me about a little bit about focus and finding what's most important as a type three. Well, as a type three and also as a Christian, uh, yes. that really, that's my identifying rock. So I tell people like, so good. people always ask, you know, hey, who are, what do you do? That's the number one question in America is because we're all about what are you doing that? And mm. I, I tell people I, I'm a Christian man who happens to sell homes. Right. That, that is just the means that I use right now in real estate to glorify God. So good. Um, and so when I have that rock of my identity saying, hey, this is my foundation mm-hmm. and my ultimate mission is to make Christ known and know him more myself in that. Yeah, that that overlies everything. Um, and then so when I when I go down, one thing I was thinking about is I've broken it down into a year where I break it down into quarters. I focus on one big thing per quarter. Um, so I can grow in a certain area and then take it back a little bit in that area. And they're all going to be focused somewhat have Christ in the center of that. Um, and so let's just say for an instance, like, man, my first quarter, you know what, my number one focus is I'm working on real estate this quarter. I'm going to crush it in real estate. I have to make, you know, 25 calls a day, five days a week, X, Y, and Z sellers, you know, small breakdown goals. Yeah. Um, and at the same time I'm saying, all right, instead of thinking like, we think like image of a house in my head, I'm like, no, I got to put a focus on image of Christ in front of that house. So I always see Christ first. Yeah. How am I glorifying God in my real estate section? Yeah. Right? You know, and in the second quarter, maybe some side different, you know, going to school and focusing on seminary in my second quarter of the year, you know? things like that. And I break it down to quarter to quarter, but I was looking at how can I keep Christ at the center of my focus um, for that quarter. So yep. good. Yeah. I mean, he, he's the one that satisfies every single need. Right. And the interesting thing is when we are focused on these worldly goals, whether that be revenue or the amount of houses or whatever, we're only, we're thinking about things that are fleeting. Like as soon as we hit it, it's okay. Now what? Oh, 100%. I had like four goals for my second quarter this year that it was like had to do with real estate, had to do with leadership, had to do with um, physicality, like what I'm lifting and also how my relationship. Yep. And I hit, I had I had a reward for hitting all those goals, but I got to all those goals and hit them all early. And I was like, <laughs> all right, so like what's next? Like what do I do, right? right. And it's me like, all right, change the goal, make it bigger. Right. Yeah. And there's me like, sure, like five minutes satisfaction maybe, yeah. but then it's moving. I'm like, all right, what's next kind of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and then that, that's the thing about it. That is also dangerous. What I'd see from, from being a type three without being rooted in Christ is you're constantly pursuing the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, and then nothing is fulfilling your needs. Mm. And then once you've gone 50 years of your life, just accomplishing things and never feeling fully satisfied, right. Then right. what? You know, so it's yeah. important that you have that foundation first and foremost. Well, which is such a trap for each type uh, that they're trying to compensate and be fulfilled. And for each type, it's something different. For the three, it's filling it with success. But with the eight, it's just filling it with anything, yeah. with more, you know, very obsessive personality. And for mm-hmm. the one, it's filling it with trying to be right, uh, trying to be good. And we know that no person is good, right? Yep. So being able to understand that, that's super helpful. Hey, uh, Andrew, sorry. Uh, you said something while you were telling your story was, you had to learn the difference between looking successful for other people and actually being successful. Can you elaborate a little bit more about what you meant by that and what so that good. different what difference was for you? Yeah, um, a couple a couple things in that regards is we look a lot of times we see success. I mean, inst- just for example, you guys, it's like on Instagram we see a lot of things. It's somebody driving the car. It's somebody. Um, that has the, the wife and kids that you want or X, Y, and Z, whatever you're looking for and you see on the outside when really on the inside, they are totally like off or they're in suffering, they're depression, they're in debt, all these different things going mm. on. And so instead of trying to look at good on the outside at first, I'm saying, wow, how can I, how can I please God? Yeah. And then also what is, what does that success look like? Yeah, I'm going to hit some metrics. So we're saying if I actually hit the metric of, you know, selling X, Y, 20 homes or not, say I hit that metric in the first six months of the year, right? I'm going to say, awesome. That's 
I hit that success first, and that's going to look good to other people as well at the same time. Yeah. So instead of focusing on just looking good first, it's saying do these things exceedingly well, mm-hmm. right? Do all to the glory of God and watch how God receives the glory, how he looks at that, and then how other people are going to see that. Like, dang, why does he work so hard like that? Or why is yeah. he, man, how's he hitting those goals? What's right. he doing? And it's just yeah. a matter of like it's focusing on the, the steps and the actions and getting there first instead of saying i got to see how i got to look to other people. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is your work is your worship. Ooh, everything I do is worship, right? Even right now, as you guys mentioned that I'm in seminary and it's um, taking Greek class and Greek is hard if you ever want to try it. Um, hey, <laughs> I'm all right. Koinonia, Greek, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll pass. And uh, um, it's saying, and my friend's challenge, he's like, this is your act of worship. He's like, all the time, raising your hands at church, that's the easy act of worship, right? Mm-hmm. Relatively, because eh, you're a little worship, a little singing, but he's saying when you have to dive in and use your brain for three or four hours at a time, that's a hard act of worship. But we're saying, why am I doing this? It's for God. And so when you have that mindset, and thank you for bringing that back up, is the mindset is every little thing you do is an act of worship if you have the right mindset behind it and mm. the right heart into it for God. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really where things shift and change. Yeah, yeah. And I like the way that you're sharing that practically, even when you're looking at a home and just keeping Jesus in the forefront and honoring him and everything that you do. You had talked about, you know, coming and going to seminary. So you're still a real estate professional. You're still engaged. Uh, also a CrossFit coach, I forgot to mention earlier, and going to seminary. We're probably going to uh, forget a lot of missing? different things. What else are you doing? I, I know there's more. I'm not really sure. I'm leading not a group. Doing, uh, leading a small group. I'm wor- working on getting doing a CrossFit ministry at my church right now as soon as I start that back up. Um, just a couple of things that I, I got going on that I remember for sure. Yeah. So doing all of these things, how, how do you do it? Uh, one, God has blessed me with a lot of energy. Um, that I get to use that does require a lot of sleep though. You guys can attest that I'm like man, eight and a half <laughs> hours that's, that's golden right there Like we're good on six and I'm like, whoa, yeah, what I need like eight and a half to five six I'm Gucci to, to sure. go to go hard in that um, Yeah, God just blessed me with a lot of energy and I really like feeling my schedule um, I'm also extroverted in that so people energize me mm. like the more we talking I'm getting more energized <laughs> right now, right? You're probably like I can't hear him now. He's talking too fast. Yeah, um and so I feel my schedule with people um, helps me to get more energized throughout the day, but then also having, so I, I can skip plan. I don't even schedule my whole day sometimes, but most of the time I do, um, having it pretty well laid out and figuring what I can do, but having two things in there. One is in the morning, I have um, a quiet time with God. I can mm. say one of my one of my really good friends uh, who's in my wedding as well, Mason, we, my three years, a little over three years ago, we started um, going to Starbucks every morning. We had roommates, started reading the Bible in the morning. And I was like, man, this is kind of boring. Part of it was kind of boring. You know, yeah. you get in there like, get, yeah, keep it real, man. Keep, I, it, it was yeah, starting everybody, out boring. If you haven't been bored by the Bible at some point, like, yeah. you're a human. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. you're not human if you haven't been. So it's okay. And then he left, uh, go study, you know, work abroad and do this travel fund for stuff for like eight months. And so I, I was, we did a month of that in the Word in the morning. And I just kept that going. Yeah. And that's been the same every single day for I think three and a half years now. Um, every single day going from different plans, different, you know, finishing the Bible that finishing the new Testament and then the Bible in two years. And now going back through it again in a year. And by having that root in the morning, that gives my, that's a good, good, solid foundation in there. Mm-hmm. Um, crushing the day, whatever you need, whatever you have in there. And at the end saying, Hey, what's my stop time? Yeah. Yeah. Because I yeah. have a tendency to like, Oh yeah, I'm going to make this deal. It's 1030 at night or I do something else. And all of a sudden it's, it's 1230. I'm like, man, I got to get up at six tomorrow morning. Like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> so it's finding that stop time that's like, yeah. I have to stop here to spend time with my fiance, spend time with my family, um, at a certain time and get that rest. And then also having that foundation in the morning of yep. with, with God. Right. With right. all the whole time. I mean, just kind of going back to what you were alluding to earlier was starting on the inside out. Not so, not so much worried about my appearance as far as how I look while I'm trying to achieve success. And it brought me to this scripture, Matthew 23, 25 through 26, uh, New Living Translation. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, 
For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Mm, That was Mm. good. That's everything what you were explaining about actually doing things with excellence to glorify God, and then the look happens to just come with it. Exactly. Uh, So this is Enneagram for entrepreneurs, uh, business owners, business professionals, right? Uh, You are one of the best networkers that I know. I mean, I remember when we were out in Charlotte a couple of weeks ago and we were on the scooters and you happened to take (laughs) off on the scooter and we caught up and we saw you just talking with somebody, praying with somebody, connecting with somebody. It seems like networking is so natural to you. Tell us a little bit about your, uh, how you network as a three, but also maybe just some tips for all types or all people on how to network or the importance of it. Like your mindset going into it. Yeah. I love people. That's the good mindset right there. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, so I never, the first mindset is I love people. I'm not using people. That's what it is. If you're trying to use people for just a number in your head, they're going to know that. Mm -hmm. And then it's. It's, it's not going to work out in the long run for you. Yeah. You may get, oh, great, six months, a year, two years, whatever it is, but eventually the business is going to crash and crumble yep. um, because you're not built on solid foundation. And so it's coming and mm. saying, I, I love people. I love getting to know people in that. Um, and so every opportunity is um, possible get to know their story, what's going on in their lives, uh, and then make a connection because yeah. you never know what they might need. Maybe they need a coach of some kind, maybe right. a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. Maybe they need to buy a house, right? And just as our examples right here, yeah. but maybe they need a CrossFit gym to go to. Like you don't know what they right. what they need and how they can be encouraged in life. Yeah. And so by getting whoever it is at, at church, outside on the streets, you know, at the CrossFit gym, just getting to know them and figuring out their stories and what's yeah. going on in their lives and how you can serve them and love them mm. at the same time. And then it's, then it's natural because you're like, your goal in business is to get a name, a number, probably an email address, right? And so it's naturally like, hey, let me get your number and I'll get you connected with so-and-so. And then you get, you know, whatever they're looking for. I'll get you connected with this CrossFit gym. All right, I got their number. I got their name. I can mm. follow up with them, make sure you're getting connected to CrossFit gym. And then in three months or two months, I'll follow up with them to see how they're doing with that. And just remind them I'm in real estate. Yeah, you know, so good. Whatever that is. And so yeah. I just, by coming in from that authenticity that I actually love this person, I want to get to know them. Yeah. How, what, what do you need? And then it's all of a sudden it's like, I got a friend and I got their number, which is the real thing I need for any kind of business. Right. And if they happen to buy a home in a couple of years or now, great. Gosh. If they don't, great. If you guys are listening to that, like make sure you rewind that and listen to that over again so because good. he's telling so you exactly where it starts. I think too often we go to these networking events, we go to meet people and all we're thinking about is like, okay, how do I get them interested in my business so I can sell them something? Right. Right. right? When really what Andrew goes in there is one, I want to meet someone, love someone, find a need, meet a need. Right. And then let them know where I'm at and they'll use me when, when, when the time is right. I think it's it's so we're so eager um, as sales or business people to uh, meet someone and then automatically just just dive into them purchasing something from right. you when really we've done nothing to show them that you meet needs in general. So I love 100%. that. And I know that a lot of your business, it stemmed from things like that. Like, yeah, I happened to just invite a guy to Bible study. And then all of a sudden, three months later, they were buying a home and, <laughs> or you referred them to a CrossFit gym or you introduced them to Mason or to Lamar. And all of a sudden you really cared about meeting their need. And as entrepreneurs, the marketplace is this, it's the place people go to meet a need. Yeah. So that's the marketplace. And if you're going and thinking, well, the marketplace is going somewhere where I can sell something, then you're going to miss it. And so sales, it has a really negative connotation. But what's your take on sales? You kind of elaborated on it with what you just said. But what's your take on sales? Because people think very negatively of sales oftentimes. What's your perspective? Man, I hear even going into like just being myself and not having trying to have that salesman mentality or whatnot, being myself and like, are you in sales? 
you know, and that's like, and I'm like, I'm at a coffee shop, like just talking to barista kind of a deal because I ask them questions to get to know them and have a mindset of, of that. And people are like, oh, you must be in sales sometimes. Right? I'm like, wait, just because I'm asking questions means I'm in right. sales and people right. just have a, have a mindset behind that. Um, I have no, I mean, obviously I sell things, right? I right. help, and, but you have also, I'm switching the mindset behind that because I'm saying, um, I am helping people walk the journey of getting mm-hmm. home. Right. And I'm kind of their their counselor, their guide, whatever you want to call it in that. And so instead of thinking, because it's not my house I'm selling, it's somebody else's house I'm yeah, selling, most right, likely. Right. You know, one out of every hundred is a house I actually own. But it's one of those things that's saying, I'm just a guide along the way. And so I was thinking myself like Gandalf, Lord of the Rings. And yeah. just kind of like, because like Frodo, like I, Frodo's, he's got to get the ring there. There's all these different main characters going on. And there's Gandalf, get off the gray, then get off the white. And he's just like, I'm going to help you guys get there, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the show. I'm not the main main guy. Yeah, the guy. So when I think of sales, I'm like, I'm part of the show, but you're the main guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. going you're in the there. main character. That's so good. And positioning yourself as the guide uh, makes me think of Donald Miller, story brand, mm, and yeah. all of his stuff. So if you're an entrepreneur and you want to talk about or you want to learn about positioning yourself as the guide, uh, check out Donald Miller and story brand. But there is definitely a negative mindset around salespeople. And what I'm trying to do uh, with the course that I'm offering coming up more than number of sales is change the perspective on a salesperson. A salesperson should be someone that builds a connection, builds a relationship and meets a need. Literally everything that you are, not someone that just goes into make some money, right? And so changing that mindset and being able to build that connection, this is the plug for more than number sales. So <laughs> go to www.truestrategy.info. You can register now. We're going to be starting November 10th. We're going to leverage the Enneagram and connection to talk about building your sales capabilities because you will learn how to know and understand yourself, learn how to know and understand your client, ultimately empathize with them, not to manipulate them, but to serve them. And you can register for that. So yeah, we hope to see you there. <laughs> yeah, register for it. Uh, it made me think in, uh, I don't know all the Enneagram types, I can't tell them right off the bat in yeah. terms of individuals. Um, but most of the people that I work with in, in real estate is I don't push. That's a big thing about sales and negative connotation is that people are, oh, he's too pushy. Now, Keanu might like that as an eight. He's like, yeah, you got to push me a little bit. Like, all right, do this right now. Come on, let's go. But most people are more, a little more reserved on things. And so I'm like, Keanu's yeah. the type that when he sees a house and he really likes it, I was like, so how come you're not buying it yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll elaborate on that after Andrew's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and, and so I want them to go at their own pace, whatever pace that is or whatnot. Um, and some people are more an- apprehensive depending on their type. Maybe that's a type six, a little bit, no, five, six, six, six five, would be yeah. might six, five, six might be a little more apprehensive on things, a little worried about analytical thinking, about all the stuff that could go wrong with right. it. And yep. I take them back to their why. So things I always ask them are, you know, what are three things that you want in the house, right? The three must haves you're holding on to with that tight fist, um, and I remember those, I write them down so that we were in a house and they're looking at it and I'm not pushing. Right. And I'm just looking and they're like, I'm like thinking to myself, this, this actually meets all their needs. And I remind them of that. Hey, remember when you told me that you had to have that two car garage, that backyard for your golden doodle and that huge <laughs> kitchen so you can host people. Right. Yeah. All right. This has all those what's holding you back from putting in an offer. Yeah. Right. And so it's that the balance is saying, I'm not going to be pushy, but at the right moment, I'm going to remind them and push them to say, you're right, Andrew, let's put an offer in. Yeah. yeah. That's really good stuff. Go ahead. Let me elaborate on my eightness because absolutely you all have known me from, I mean, what, three, four years now from the moment I found Christ almost. And uh, you, I think you guys might have seen the transformation, but in the beginning I was absolutely a, a blunt force object, <laughs> uh, a blunt object, just bludgeoning people into, you know, doing what I, I wanted or 
thought they should do. You know, yeah. it was never really about me, but it was like, hey, yeah, you like that house, go buy it. Like, what's holding you back? Yeah. Uh, and then I realized, and this is where the eight or the Enneagram has been transformative for me, is that you get so much further leveraging influence over force. And right. so learning how you can best serve that person and come alongside them because the intention of the eight is to truly help and protect and to serve. Uh, but oftentimes that comes across much more aggressive, like a blunt force object instead of someone that's trying to guide them and support them. So yeah, I just wanted to speak to that a little bit. <laughs> so Andrew, when you were first getting started um, in your in your real estate career, what were some of the challenges that you were facing? The biggest challenge that I faced is with any uh, sales business, you got to make cold calls, you got to talk to people. Mm. Um, and I didn't have fun with that. Mm. That was the biggest challenge. Um, and so I switched up a little bit of just being myself instead of trying to force something upon me. Yes, you do have to make some calls at some time and it's good to do around that. But at the same time, instead of saying, hey, here's a script you need to use, yeah. it's all right, let's just talk to this person and, and get to know them a little bit right. and really switch that. That was what really helped me. Yeah. Um, and then go to my strong point of like, I like being in front of a camera. So posting videos every day on Facebook. Yep. I like that. Yeah. You know, I like talking to my friends. So instead of making cold calls, I'm like, I'm going to send a video message, right? And so I send a video message because that's more enjoyable. That gets me hyped up more than a phone call because I'm like, yeah. ring, ring, ring. All right, I think I answer what I'm going to say. <laughs> and so yeah. using my strength in yeah. my, and so using my strength to myself is saying, I like making video messages. All right, I'm gonna send video messages instead of making that call. Um, and so the, the hardest things to do is like the things we don't want to do. There are certain things that we don't want to do. We have to do them. Yeah. But then it's saying, well, how can I do this and make this more fun for mm -hmm. myself? No matter yeah. what is how much, how can I enjoy this more? And now those things, the 20% of things, it should be like 20%. Man, I don't want to do the other 80%. I want to do. It's fun for me, right? And so that 20% is like, that's got to be knocked out first thing in the morning. That's, yeah. that's the biggest thing. I had to change in my life. I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to make phone calls in the afternoon, get some stuff done in the morning. And I was like, that didn't work out. I don't want to make, yeah. call, I don't wanna make yeah. calls. And so that was a hard, one of the hard things. Do they make, do they have like percentages in your, in your career? Like where they'd say like, oh, 50% of people who start in real estate make it to second year, third year, fourth. Like, do they say the statistics stuff you like know that. i need to get those stats for you guys next time okay. i do not know them um i know my brother would know them he was a team leader out here to keller williams uh -huh. in, in dallas um and so we know that i would say you know majority of people spend a couple years in the business and then a recession hits typically mm. and that's when about 80 percent of the people you know just from my brother's numbers get out of the business yeah and so when you see someone who's been in the business for like 25 30 something years you're like they've been they've, through they've been through some stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah and so and that's also a lot of adaptation and change most people don't want to put the hard work in and they don't yeah. want to adapt to something new yeah andrew <laughs> uh it, rejection is something that we all have to deal with as entrepreneurs and the sooner, i don't get rejected yeah i'm, I'm sure <laughs> i don't get rejected. Uh, <laughs> it's probably true with your approach very very enticing uh well we'll, we'll ask your fiance about that huh Clearly she, she knows, you know, you're quite lovable, but <laughs> anyways, how you had talked about, you know, making cold calls and things like that. That's something that you have to do as an entrepreneur. You have to be contacting people or else you're going to fail in your business. It doesn't matter what you do, right? Uh, how did you deal with rejection? Because a type three takes on the unhealthy characteristics of a type nine when they're unhealthy, which can become more shut off and a recluse. But I know you and I've seen you flat out get rejected and you just dive in even deeper to contact more people and do these things. It's always just been so intriguing to me. So how do you deal with that? How do you take a rejection? Because I know when you're making phone calls, sometimes someone's like, hey, don't call me again. Leave me alone, right? Probably hasn't happened to you in a long time. And they cuss you out too. That's the worst. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You think like you're, you know, calling from 500 miles away and it's like, hey, I just met you at the coffee shop. Come on, man. Uh, Couldn't do what you do. I don't get cussed out. But yeah, t tell me about how you deal with that, honestly. Um, there have been, just being honest, you know, when I was first getting into it, there were days where I'd be like, all right, I'm done. 
you know, after a couple calls or whatever it was, um, just not having the right mindset around it. And we fail. Like, that's okay mm-hmm. to fail. Um, I'd say that the worst rejections for me are still currently is when I have a, a good friend or someone I know and they're like, oh, yeah, we're working with such and such realtor. And I'm like, I have talked to you. Like, I got you qualified. I get X, Y, and Z. Oh. Those are the hardest rejections still. Oh. And that's when I take the 10 or 15 minutes to to reset, turn on a worship song, do something I love, you know, journal a little bit. Yeah. I, I do a, I pause, I got to reset. That's why I take rejection for those, for the bigger ones. For the smaller mm. ones, like I'm making phone calls and someone yells at me or whatnot. I'm just like, all right, next, next, next. And that next doesn't just mean, all right, next number, next person. It means next person I can love, next mm-hmm. person I can love. Uh, yep. is, is how I look at things. And so shifting yep. that mindset is like, I'm going to call this person. I'm going to do my best to love them. And sometimes that's a 20 minute call. I try not to have the long 30 minute calls with people, 20, yeah. 30 minutes. But sometimes that means just to encourage someone and you're like, all right, they're never buying a home. I know they can't afford it. I know they can't, you know, just where they're at with financials, X, Y, right. and Z, maybe in 30 years, but not right now. Right. And right. I'm like, but I love them well. All, all right. right, next. Who's the next person I can love? Somebody cusses me out. I'm, and then if I, if I get hung up on two, I call them back. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Hey, it looks like we just got disconnected. I just want to see what happened there and how your day's going. Right, because they probably hung up for a reason. They're upset about something, and so I call them back. If they hang up on me again, let them go. Next person I can love, and move yeah. on to that. So good. Yeah. No, I think it's um, when you are having that next like person mentality. It, what comes to mind is at the end of the day, when you're in any type of sales or service or uh, providing any type of product, one the person has to have a desire to be helped, and it's not up to us to make that decision. Um, they can protrude that denial in any kind of way that they want to they can show it in anger or by hanging up or mm-hmm. by ghosting you but at the end of the day we can only help people that want to be helped and right. that's what everyone needs to know right um in any type of career is that you can only help people that want to be helped yeah. 100%. Um, no matter if they can use you or not they have to want to be helped i have a saying andrew i want to get your take on it because as an eight it just feeds my soul but i have a saying <laughs> about sales that says if i have to convince you i'm done talking if I have mm-hmm. to convince you I'm mm-hmm. done talking, you're not my customer. What's your take on that? Um, I agree. I don't have to convince any of my clients. They need to buy a home or they need to get in there. It's just a matter of talking to them and saying, is this a need you have? All right. It's not right now. Awesome. I'll follow up. Oh, it is? All right. Let's see how we can help you. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the biggest thing. What's yeah. your perspective, Lamar, as a type one? Oh, 100%. Like, there's, there's going to be those times where people may want to go into this back and forth match on a, on a recommendation or um, – an idea or a concept, but one, once you know that if you're, if you're making the right recommendation, you're providing the, the correct product yeah. and they don't feel the same way, then just keep it pushing. I think it's always better to just savor the relationship than to start a tennis match for right. no reason. Right. Yeah. If I have to convince you, I'm done talking. Keep that in mind, folks. There are plenty of people out there that do want to work with you. That's not your customer. Stop trying to talk to the people that don't want to talk to you and find <laughs> yeah. the ones that do, the ones that do yeah. want to work with you. Right. Yeah. Um, while we got your real estate brain in here, I wanted to tap into some of that knowledge, if that's okay. Yeah, let's do it. So in the environment that we're in, interest rate wise, economy wise, uncertainty, everyone keeps talking about normal and if that's ever going to come back. Um, you create your own normal. <laughs> exactly. There we go. What should we be thinking about those of us that are like, hey, I, about real estate, like I'm about to dump in or, or it's about to be my second or third home or it's my first one. Like, what are some things that they should be thinking about? That's a great question right there. Um, several things going on there. Interest rates still sitting about 3% for a 30-year mortgage, uh, 2.75 mm. for 15-year. If you guys don't know what that means, um, the lowest I saw was 2.8, 2.75 for a 30-year, and that's the lowest it's been, I think I'm going to say, ever, mm-hmm. right? 
uh, pretty much. You know, I've been in the business a, a couple years now, licensed for six years, a year that I spent teaching English, a year that I spent teaching at a school, so I've learned some other stuff. So really going out full-time for about three years. Yeah. Um, and so that's the lowest I've seen it. But what we have right now is we have a great interest rate, but a low supply. Um, oh, okay. and, and, and in most areas, and that's just because we have an influx of people coming up, buying homes and with COVID, not as many people putting their homes in the market. Oh, hey, okay. I don't want to move, um, older individuals, there's people who are a little more fearful. I'm going to say there's other words I could use there, but like, you know what? I'm, I'm good right now. I'm not gonna move, not gonna sell. So the lower, uh, inventory rate, lower interest rates oh, means okay. we have a lot of buyers, low interest rates. I want to buy, but not as many houses on the market. Oh, okay. So it's competitive. I'll put it that way. Got you. Where you're multiple offer situations for most buyers, depending on the price range, yeah. but there's multiple offer situations. And it's making those prices go up, right? So it's making those prices go up. So for as a, if you're looking to move and you're a seller, now is a great time or to get an asset. I just sold one yesterday, actually in Albuquerque, that it was a rental property. And we met, you know, before I left Albuquerque and we talked about it and I said, Hey, this is the best time to sell, to be honest. Yeah. And then I got a phone call two weeks ago and putting somebody else's rental property on the market here next weekend as well. So people who have a house or a rental property, it makes it a, a good time to sell it. But for buyers, you're also able to afford more. And if you looking to get into a house, I would still recommend it right now. Mm. Um, the, we don't know what the biggest thing right now for us and just little politics here is we don't know what's gonna happen after the election. Right. Yeah. The election is gonna have a big impact on those interest rates on what the treasury does. The treasury yield really affects interest rates for houses. Right. And so yeah. if that, if that goes up, obviously the amount of people buyers can be like, yep, I don't want to buy right now. Interest rates are too high. Right. Uh, and that's going to impact things. So for the next three weeks, yeah, it's, I would say sell, buy, do what you can. And we'll see what happens after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I, beyond that, I can't say that's great. I, that's a great question. And I think it's super helpful to people. And thank you, Andrew. Here's the real question. Why CrossFit? Ooh, oh, I can bring <laughs> that out. Well, the funny thing is, again, pulling it back to about three years ago, my brother's wedding, um, my, uh, one of his buddies had me do like a hundred cleaning jerks, you know, with him. And I was like, I don't know what cleaning jerks are. Right. <laughs> and then I came back and tried to do a few like Olympic lifting and really was not good at it. But my uh, pastor and one of my best friends, Matt Flores, who's doing my wedding here in three weeks, shout out. He was like, Hey, why don't you work out my home gym with me? And so once a week on Friday mornings, we go in the home gym, start doing CrossFit style workouts. And I was like, this is good. And we invite some other people. And so I really fell in love with the high intensity, the fact that I worked my brain because I had to learn new movements mm. and the fact that I did it with people. There's something about gotcha. push, pushing yourself with other individuals because you yeah. can push higher, faster. And then afterwards you're dead and you're just like, man, let's talk. And all of a sudden like yeah. all this like junk comes out, these things you're like, yeah. I'm crying. What happened? Right. Because you're like, <laughs> you, you, you suffered through something together. So you're closer. And so afterwards your, your conversations are deeper as well. So I love the community with high intensity. I'm like, this is amazing. Yep. Yeah. It's the reason why uh, professional teams are in such great shape because they work out together all the time. Oh yeah. And I, like, I remember what that was like. And yeah. as soon as I graduated and didn't have it, uh, all down here from there. <laughs> I just like to lift things up and put them down. <laughs> Well, Andrew, it's been awesome getting to hear your perspective, man. You are someone that I personally deeply admire as a professional, as a friend, as a man of God. Um, you've guided and supported me, uh, honestly, throughout my whole walk, throughout my marriage. And I'm just so thankful to, to let our listeners hear from your perspective. But how can they engage with you? Maybe somebody that wants to engage on the real estate side of selling or buying a home or somebody that wants to go into a real estate career. How can people get in contact with you or engage with you? That's a great question. Yeah, whether it's be you're looking to buy a home, sell a home across the United States. I have uh, business partners across the United States, help different some high school buy out in Virginia, actually. Wow. Um, I'm waiting for Lamar to buy one out in that Cali. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, you can no, follow that's me. That's going to take time. Yeah, you can follow <laughs> me at Andrew Scott Templeton.
Templeton on the IG Instagram. Um, DM me there, or if you Google Andrew Templeton, Keller Williams, you'll find my name and number, um, and we can get in touch about things. I'd love to help you serve that way. Google him. He is one handsome man. You want <laughs> 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 Also, he's a taco connoisseur, so I when do you follow tacos. him on Instagram, you're going to get taco reviews yeah. from Dallas, Albuquerque, and basically everywhere that he goes. Well, awesome, Andrew. Thank you for this. Uh, everybody, this has been More Than Numbers. Enneagram for entrepreneurs. Any final words, gentlemen? No, uh, man. Thanks for sharing. Um, Andrew, it's been great to have you here. I love being in this building with all you guys. It's been awesome. Uh, Keanu, tell the people once again, remind them how do they get more Enneagram? Where do they go? hundred percent. True strategy.info. Go and check out our new website. If you haven't yet, we have a blog that is live weekly now as well. 500 words, one to two minute reads very quick to help engage there. But also we have our courses coming up more than numbers, sales and more than numbers lead. I know that a lot of you as professionals have taken a lot of courses about how to do a lot of things, but we're going to talk about how to be and why you do what you do to better lead and to better engage in your sales career. So go and check us out, truestrategy.info. Andrew? I got one final thing for you guys. Just actually three things because that's how I always do three. Hey, let's go. number. Um, we look at the three things I want you guys to remember is the, find something to be grounded in every single day, whether you're a type three, whatever type you are. Uh, for me, that's time in the word and working out. So get my alone time in there and my time with the Lord. The second thing is do everything with respect to how can I serve this person or how can I love this person instead mm -hmm. of what can I get from them right yep. it's how can i serve them love them and three be consistent in it whatever it is you got to be consistent with it you can't just do it for a week or two weeks you got to keep be consistent for that entire quarter that entire year day in and day out and watch what happens love it love it thank you andrew let's go see you I all next that. time peace peace